Hi, uh, welcome back to another uh, Dungeons and Degrees. Uh, my name's Adrian. My name is Alex. And uh, what we're just going to talk about today is uh, CR, which is short for challenge rating. Uh, mainly talking about how to interact and our own experience with it. I like that you made that sound like I have actual input in this, and I didn't just ask you the question of, like, what do I do if I need to make it harder for my players, and I don't know how to do that other than throwing more monsters at them. I mean, we could have started, we can start like that, and I can edit this out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, you know, just starting that conversation of, you made it sound like I had actual input. I mean, you, you, your input is wonderment, and that's what I need. I need to know what people are wondering about as a new DM and new players. So, yeah. Yeah, so let's get into it, because I'm excited. I'm here, actually, with my notepad out. I'm ready <laughs> to take notes. <laughs> All right. Um, but before that, I would like to say there's a small point that I did not correct um, Alex on, was that she said she her father rolled a nat 20 to charm person, right? Yes. Now, this is the part of the podcast where you can pause and figure out what's wrong with that statement, or you can just keep playing. One does not roll and... a nat 20 to charm person. The <sighs> enemy rolls a saving throw to charm person. So, rather than saying that my dad rolled a 20... I should have said that my character, my NPC, railed a nat one. So, uh, you know. You know, I just, I'm just, we don't have many people in the comments, but if they, if people come back to that first episode, they're like, oh, this guy's an idiot. I mean, I'll be ready that the second episode clarified that. We're not That's true. total bumpkins. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm a little bit of a bumpkin. I, I will own up. Look, I am three games deep now like three games of me being in charge so and i'm not very good at remembering all those little tiny details um if i had it sitting in front of me maybe but right. i don't blame no mm -mm. <laughs> no worries <laughs> we can, we'll talk about those things later as well mainly crs kind of dictates how difficult an encounter is and this kind of scales with your player's level there's plenty of free tools out there for you like cr calculator encounters and then also just like a plethora of monsters out there the stats are out there for free if you just look them up and you kind of just have to go according to those numbers or you can uh just let them figure out that hey maybe this big dragon isn't something i can take on like you want to give them some sense that the world is also bigger than them and even though that they're the heroic adventurers, sometimes an encounter is going to turn deadly. But also, you want to give that kind of air of caution to them as well. Because just like saying, hey, you have a chance, or I, I can tell you from this last campaign, or this last Wednesday, we, we haven't, I haven't ran the actual encounter yet. We just started up. We got all the people in a wagon and everything, and I just kind of put an air, a, a message out there saying, hey people might die, go ahead and roll up new characters if you need them, kind of thing. Oh no, you gave them the warning coming in? Yeah, and they did not like, well, some of them panicked. <laughs> I would have absolutely panicked. Did you marry the group? Because I know last week they were still separated, right? Um, last week they were, they were together. They're just like, mentally they're like, one of them was wanting to do something. We haven't gotten uh, to the, to that like, kind of path. I'm playing Curse of Strahd, so a couple spoilers here. Um, just skip this, like, 30 seconds and you should be fine. We're just going to the old bone grinder next to this other city called Velaki, and that's where apparently the kids are being held up. One of them is just really hell-bent on getting them out ASAP, and the other people are like, we gotta save the citizens first. Also, we don't know if the kids are alive. Also, we can't leave the citizens out in this open road because there's monsters everywhere. But that's besides the point. So we haven't gotten that part. Before they got it, I rolled an encounter table. And um, six werewolves in human form are approaching them right now. And I so gave... what was the encounter table? So, like, in Curse of Strahd exclusive, like, it has this table, like, what monsters will be there in the morning and what monsters will be there in the night. And it doesn't really give you, like, 
oh, at level this, the characters will be able to fight these monsters or anything. You just roll it, because this whole campaign is supposed to be scary, deadly, and potentially um, lethal in TPK. There's a lot of that in some of the supplementary books as well. I don't specifically know which books have which encounter tables, unfortunately. I just know that there's lists and tables on all these books. Just like, if you look up CR by biome monster, that's how I usually do things, just so that when I, they, it makes sense that a, uh, like a, a fish, you can't put a giant whale in the land, because that thing will die. There's killer whales in, in, uh, on, on the CR3 table, I think. Those tables are out there, and the one I used was just specifically for the campaign I was running, or for the module. Okay. I don't know if that made so sense. Usually... I mean... I started getting rambling near the end, I'm I, sorry. I'm sure it'll make sense eventually. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, those, there's, the tables that just kind of like give you this random generated stuff. Like, I've rolled the gra uh, gravestone three times out of the, like the seven times I used it. So, and I like, one time I just straight up just skipped it. Like, no, I'm not going to roll a gravestone again. Like this, why are there so many uh, like roadside graves? Like, I don't get it. So I made one of the graves kind of pop out of place. So, like, it's just moving and kind of following them every now and then. It has the same name. It's the same headstone and everything. Just give them an, ooh, what the hell's going on? Yeah, no, I'm getting real creeped out about, like, a floating headstone just following me. <laughs> All right. It should have had one of the characters' names written on it and just, like, had that moment of death is just right around the corner for everybody. Truly, um, if... I was I was kind of torn between that because like there's some parts in the module there's later there's this head uh this bust of your character sitting there with um like a scarrings or like a pike piercing the face or like the bust is an actual like image of your own face and it's rotten and d disgusting like th when I'm reading the book I'm just like oh yeah I just can't wait like it's it's there in the book those those that imagery of like this this place is creepy and you could die at any moment but ah uh, it's so good i'm so excited anyways let's get back on track as best we can but uh <laughs> <laughs> so how i personally play it the need that i kind of fill with cr is mainly to to, to paint a story I will always just look up bandit or bandit captain or thief or like the type of monster and I'll look through the stats first and then I'll give them like I, I if I do six bandits I gotta I can't put in like three bandit captains because sometimes those bandit captains buff or they have multiple attacks and I just gotta be worried about the party like if the party is able to take on six bandits then my next encounter if there's like a larger bandit camp will have more monsters, more people. And by the time they get there, they'll either A, be restocked because they took a short rest. Um, and if they do that, I usually try my best to buff that encounter again, just so that I know that they definitely have the resources to take care of it and they have all the hit points, so I shouldn't feel too bad. If they encounter it the, like that same day, I'll say like, oh, well, no one gave warning or they weren't worried, so like they have surprise round or anything like that. For them to be able to not sleep and keep going and pushing through, I'm not going to have like the same hard encounter that they would have to when if they had that long rest and kind of regained hit points. So you could increase the CR of that encounter by just adding in extra creatures or different types of creatures, or I guess you could beef up the, the thing that is attacking. You could, the enemy. Yeah, you can always add extra hit points. And that's a very simple thing to do because the hit points that are automatically on the stat block is just the average of all the rolls. If you were to potentially roll higher, it's not out of the world of possibility that they have more hit points because they could potentially have double the amount that's on those stat blocks. As well as like having traps set for them always throw in some sort of like terrain ability if these are bandits they've been out here for a while they have the lay of the land they have the advantage then they have traps so they know how to get from a to b throwing traps in a dungeon is so good because it wears it kind of it doesn't kill them usually 
it peters them down so that when you do have the encounter, it's more dire. It's more dire than it was before. Cause like having them at half health versus full health has a sense of like urgency to the whole dynamic. And usually your characters, your adventurers are smart and they have really good abilities like uh, turn undead or fear those things. Okay, like your dad had the ability to charm person. He kind of gathered all these people up like, okay, they're smart. I don't know how much like stuff they had going, but it shows that, you know, they can use their brain and they can strategize and they can make it through it. And if they like, if you kind of build your encounter too hefty and you see that your player characters are going to TPK, you should try your best to give them a hint or give the people around them some more, um, show them that they're not afraid of what's going on. Show to the players that there is a possibility of death, but also that like running isn't the worst thing in the world. Okay, so it is a balance of making sure your players aren't going in with like a godlike idea of what they're going to do, put them in their place a little bit, and then help them when they realize that they can't do it all by themselves and maybe they needed to level up or maybe they needed to use a potion or a healing spell or something or work together in a more efficient way yeah maybe not pull all of the enemies into one area as my group tends to like to do <laughs> if they do that you should kind of like all right, if they keep doing that same thing and it's working for them, well, you as a DM have the ability to, to make that not work for them. Uh, make the space a little bit more compact or potentially that the other people are ranged so they're just shooting from far away. Give them open areas. I mean, having someone run 120 feet because snipers are, are people with, I think, longbows and short bows, they have disadvantage from 60 to 120, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. Which means that you have two shots of them dashing towards you to hit it. And vice versa, if you are the bandits, you have two shots of them running at you. Minus their bowmen shooting at you. Which is such a good way to just, like, show that, you know, you aren't always going to have the upper hand from Sneak. Even with saying that, you can always just drop a trap in there. But also, if you're going to drop a trap in there, give them the ability or give them a little hint in your narration throughout the kind of encounter that there is something wrong. Or like, um, these trees kind of have these kind of branches kind of broken off unnaturally. It's not through a saw or anything like that. Or like, um, the ground kind of unevenly kind of goes in and out during this road for some reason um and if they if you don't say you just let them roll perception or you can say it just depending on how you're feeling about this encounter like of course they would look at it more clearly or not so it's up to sometimes you can just give the kind of perception to check for traps up to your um players but okay yeah. are you writing this down <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> maybe leave me alone okay no, it's, it's okay no worries i'm a very I'm a very nervous DM. <laughs> no worries. Uh, what if you, when's the last time you played? Uh, last Friday. Last Friday. All right, cool. So yeah, I also had a session after we recorded, and uh, we were supposed so. So here was the other thing that I was kind of proud of myself for doing is that I talked to my sister, and she was like, "Oh, by the way, I'm inviting two of my friends to come." and play with us and my mom has also surprised us with coming into town so I was like all right cool I've got three potential extra characters that I need to now navigate I thought to myself what do I do and so we went on a side quest that didn't forward the progress of our hero's journey and two of my sister my sister's two friends didn't show up so it was just three of my players and my mom who, once again, we had to have a, some level of buy-in. But once she figured out sort of what she was doing, it was a lot easier for her to um, figure it out. She basically crit failed everything she tried to do, though. I don't know how she managed it, but we had, yeah, we had one 
fight where uh, she crit failed twice in a row and there was another player next to her. And I was like, all right, then you just, you hit him again. Roll for damage. <laughs> and so basically my mom took out our tank or attempted oh, to take what? out our tank. <laughs> yes. Um, and she, I think, is a, I think she has a cleric. Oh, so. what? <laughs> the, the healer yep. just knocking out the tank. Yep. Yep. And I was like, "Is that? Are you sure you want to keep doing the same thing?" She's like, "Yeah, it'll be fine." <laughs> okay, cool. So, uh, I had my first curveball thrown and then taken away very quickly, and I was prepared somewhat for extra people, but there were not extra people. But my dad, I think my dad ended up doing Thunderwave, and so we were in a empty house with a bunch of swarm of rats and large rats and you know rat things. And so I ended up playing them in waves of they had their first couple of swarms come in Then he did a thunder wave and I was like, well, let's attract everybody. And so they kept getting more rat swarms and and just giant rats coming at them. And I don't think anybody had any death saves this time. So we were doing much better. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. A natural one is kind of hard. It, it can be plain played in multiple of ways um i'm okay with like dealing damage to other players but i also like to say okay roll um roll to hit because like having free damage on a player that did crit fail kind of hurts because sometimes they have high ac and that's like that's kind of funky i'm not saying you did the wrong thing i'm just saying i've had complaints from other players uh they're they're just like that sucks but i try to see if they can hit the ac for the person next to them alongside their crit fail, which I'll give them either advantage or something because of the fail. Like, oh, he's not going to expect you to swing on him, so he has, like, less decks or something like that. I don't know. So I would usually play hitting another character, like, with including their AC as well. Okay. I knew that that whole encounter, because what ended up happening there is that it was late, and my dad and my mom ended up taking my uh, nephew to bed, and so they were dealing with the baby, and so I played with my sister and her boyfriend. They ended up clearing the rest of the house, just those two by themselves. And aside from my mom hitting my sister's boyfriend twice, it he didn't hit any. He wasn't hit by anything. So, but I can see that in the if a, we had a bigger or a longer dungeon, or something else going on. Mm -hmm. but I did think it was kind of funny that my mom just kept hitting the tank. No, she did, like, multiple nat ones? Yeah, in a row. It was each row. It wasn't like, oh, it was, I rolled and I hit, and then I rolled and I crit failed, and then I rolled and I hit, and I rolled and I hit, and then I crit failed again. No, it was, it was two back-to-back. -back. And so the first one, I was like, oh, okay, you hit him, because you just, like, took a wrong step and stepped in a pile of rubble and then hit him mm -hmm. um, and then it happened again and i was like i am not you just hit him again <laughs> uh, <laughs> how else have you played out um crit fails i have them hit themselves so my sister has crit failed on her attacks and just slapped herself in the face but that works because she's a monk and she's a low level monk so like She's learning her body and figuring out how to hit things with her hands or with her quarterstaff. And so um, I've done that, but really that's the only, I've only had those three crit fails of any roll. So my players have rolled really well. Yeah. Um, and then I have the crit fail for the charm person. Gotcha. So. There's also some like they free apps out there as well. Um I've used a couple of them sometimes. It's some ridiculous stuff. Some, like, really, like, impending stuff. Like, um, if it's a dex fail and you crit fail it, like, you kind of you twist your ankle so you're at half movement speed. Just, like, some really bad stuff. Well, that's a good idea, though. Yeah. I Sometimes they just lose their footing. Or not footing, their handle on the weapon and they throw it. So they have to go retrieve it. And also, um, they can't take attacks of opportunity because they don't have a, a weapon at hand. Just some random stuff. And then if they go and retrieve their weapon, then they have the attacks of opportunity on them. Mm-hmm. Correct. Ooh. I've had bows snap, or, like, their bowstring snaps, so they'll either have to take a whole turn to just restring it, 
or they'll just usually just drop it and get the melee weapon out. <laughs> just, yeah, just be creative what's around you. But also, like, crit fails on saving throws and skill checks, just describe the hell out of them. It's so fun. Sometimes they'll say something as well. They'll, they'll contribute to what they mess up. <laughs> That's cool. I, I should probably let my players start maybe describing if they fail or something. I have let them describe their final blows to enemies and they're really starting to pick up like what's going on and yeah, I, don't, I can't even give you an example now because I'm drawing a blank but <laughs> they are very good at you can see their eyes just light up as you like all right tell me how you kill this one gotcha. it's a very uh, critical role of you <laughs> oh well the two episodes I have listened to god they're so long are you like are you catching up to them right now or um, I, no, I'm not even going to pretend like Critical Role is one that I actively listen to. I know it's good. I'm aware of the things that Critical Role has brought to podcasting and to D&D. However, I really like Join the Party, um, which I found because I liked Potterless, and I really like Welcome to Night Vale, and so I... <laughs> I spend more of my time listening to Welcome to Night Vale than anything, and I'm just in the closet of, like, this is the best and most macabre thing I listen to when I work. And so... Can you explain those two to me? Because I've, I haven't heard of any of them. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so Welcome to Night Vale <laughs> is a... <laughs> Let me get excited that I'm talking about something that I sort of know. <laughs> um, and then have everyone yell at me because I describe it incorrectly. Well, that um, means we have viewers, and that's a positive. <laughs> that's true. That's assuming anybody listens. So, <laughs> Welcome to Night Vale is a, like, fictional radio show about this small desert town of Night Vale. It's filled with, like, conspiracy theories and you know, spooky things, and I really like it. Like, it's it's very creepy, very paradoxical, very like, conspiracy theory. There are, like, you know, the mayor's helicopters are looming over the town, and we don't talk about them, but we know them. Or, like, don't go to the dog park because there are black figures sitting in the dog park, and you don't look at the dog park. We don't talk about the dog park. It's very well done if you need a fictional watch or listen, I guess you don't watch it. Um, <laughs> and what's Join maybe the Party? I, Join the Party, on the other hand, is a, um, it's a D&D podcast. It has, it's on its second season now. They are currently running a, like, superhero campaign. And it started off with basic understanding of how to play D&D. So their first, I don't know, five, six, seven episodes are just the basic understanding of, of these characters and, and how they're playing D&D and how everything works. Um, and they, they write extremely well-rounded characters. And um, the DM, his name is Eric, and I can't remember last names because I'm terrible at last names, is just such a good storyteller that I am excited to hear about it, but I'm sad that I don't think I'm ever going to be that good but it's just, it's so, it's so good. And it also has that side of intersectionality of, you know, players who are non-binary or characters who are non-binary. And we just understand that there are differences in, in people. And so there are differences in the characters of D&D. So it starts to fill in the gaps that I think just like Wizards of the Coast did not address or still have not addressed. And I really like it. Yeah, um, what's it called? They actually are kind of fixing up some stuff going on uh, coming up. They're change changing up Curse of Strahd, the campaign I'm running, because mm -hmm. as a very kind of bad depiction of Vis the Visanti, which are essentially Roma, a.k.a. Gypsies, which is kind of the slur of it, um, because they like most of them are all evil, and they have this special power called Evil Eye, which they can put curses on you. That's yeah. not problematic at all. I know. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so they're changing that, and then they're changing this about this disabled individual that has a prosthetic, and apparently she's ashamed of it. 
and I'm like, I don't, I mean, that one is up to interpretation entirely. I mean, most of the characters that are in modules are up to interpretation. You can change who they are and how they play to a, a viewpoint that you can understand. Because if you're trying to play a character, like this evil bad guy that makes no sense whatsoever, and you just can't have that push, you can't play their storyline very well. So I, I make her just this kind of like shadow rogue person because she almost died early uh, before the players got into the campaign. Shoot, what were we talking about? <laughs> we were talking about... I guess making instances harder for our players, but we got into podcasts, you know, about the other things that are happening within the Dungeons and Dragons world. Yeah, things that we've understood. Yeah, I'm I yeah. I'm only on like episode like thirteen of Critical Role in the first campaign, and I just started. I'm on the second episode of Adventure Zone, so like I'm only been watching the mainstream stuff, unfortunately. Um, my roommate used to watch uh, Daddies and Dungeons, or Dungeons and Daddies. I love Dungeons and Daddies as well. It's a little problematic every once in a while that it makes my heart go, oof, really? We're about to... Okay. But I also do like Dungeons and Daddies. So I think that like hipster part of my soul that like just doesn't like mainstream things up front... Um, I think that really still plays a part in my choices of listening <laughs> that I tend to try to travel on the past less worn in. That was not the way that goes. The and I'm sorry for travels. anybody who loves Frost. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to travel on those. Like, I, de I don't know. Maybe I am just a, a just cool kid at heart forever. But I want to experience other things. <laughs> That's understandable. You want to, like... Yes, you know that this is good, but what is something that nobody knows is good? Like, you want to be able to find that and spread that. Because, like, the, the mainstream thing is easy to spread, but what if you could find a hidden gem to just, like, look, you know that's good, but, like, have you ever listened to this? Like, something to spread the enjoyment. Because it's, it's not that hard to get someone into something that's been heard about, but some, some secret thing that only a few people know about? Ugh, so good. <laughs> I'll tell you. Yep. I'm here to find the broken and the wounded and the small and bring them to light and have that excited feeling about getting people into things that I also like. <laughs> no, Is I'm... that a cultish to say? Is that cultish? I don't know. It's, is D&D a cult? I mean, people think that it's of the occult, so maybe. <laughs> Go ahead. That also would probably play a bigger factor in the fact that we live in you know, the Bible Belt, and that's a big thing, especially, you know, everyone has like, a friend who wasn't allowed to listen to Harry or watch Harry Potter or mm -hmm. read it. Yep. It's like one every group, <laughs> for sure. Yep. I know. I can see her in my face of, like, the one person who freaked out that we were watching Harry Potter on my, like, middle school birthday party. <laughs> and here we are now. I have two Harry Potter tattoos, so... I guess I'm... You're a Ravenclaw, right? I Oh, full Ravenclaw. Absolutely. Oh, God. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> anyway, you went a little hard there, and I was like, oh, I'm sorry to touch that. I feel like, I feel like you forget that I, I... absolutely full Harry Potter. I mean, I'm not going to say that I have a half bath underneath a set of stairs that I haven't considered completely decking her out in Harry Potter stuff. I've never done that. Why would I have a small closet sized room and decorate it in Harry Potter. Never. I would never. Never. <laughs> what house are you in? I think Raven oh no, it's been a while. I think I've went from like Gryffindor to like Slytherin to Ravenclaw. I don't know. It's just kinda like changing the type of person I am and like the outlook in life like are you the type to get them before they get you or do you just like wait until it make them Watch, watch them make the first move. Uh, I mean, it also kind of changes with, like, the type of characters I play as well. Because, like, rogues don't really have anything to say. They, they get the, the shiny thing and they get out. Um, and some people play rogues really differently where we let... <laughs> me and my friends let the rogue take care of the party treasury. Uh, and he's like... 
and after our game ended like years later he's like yeah i don't understand why you guys did that i was skimming off the top every time we got gold <laughs> and we were just like holy shit what <laughs> he was playing his character right absolutely skimming it every time yeah i mean i don't know it's a lot i don't know did i answer your question about cr <laughs> <laughs> i think it there's a lot of different factors that go into playing so yes i think there are lots of things that you can do and maybe that overwhelming choice is what stops me from being like oh okay so like this is okay i don't know why I, as a DM, am trying to play being a DM, like, the right way. Um, because I know as the player, I'm like, no, no rules. Everything is free. Let me do whatever I want within the parameters and let my DM, like, make that decision. But now that I'm the one in charge, I'm like, oh, can we do that? And I, like, consult my notes, right? I think about it. I'm like, no, look. Like, you're in charge now. Like, I'm the adult. I can do this. I can be the DM. So I think if anybody else is struggling on how to play the DM right, what I hear most often talking to you and talking to other people are just do whatever fits the story and whatever works for your party. And, you know, it's it's a trust exercise between you and your group of players. And everything is going to be okay because you have some sort of communication that isn't spoiling the game that isn't you know we're all trying to work through the same goal of having a good time and what does that good time look like for what your players want and then how do you as a dm marry all of their wants and needs into a cohesive story i think so far i haven't done it very well like their whole backstory intertwining it because some people just like at the very beginning no one really cared about their backstory they cared about the story that the dm played that's how i was uh, played at first so i didn't i didn't really know anything better and now that later in life more people want to be more kind of included and intertwined into the story which is fine like you dropping a name from their backstory into the the actual story that's going on right now is such a like a light inside their eyes like because you'll probably like play the first couple sessions just playing um Fandolin. I don't know. Is that what it's called? Fandolin is one. That's when I started off, but I am playing uh, Clam Island. I'd have. I, I can find the. Because I didn't want to use anything that my players could find. <laughs> gotcha. Because I have when I have the one, like I said last time, that likes to read ahead, which is fine. Yeah. Um, But I did not play Fandolin. I heard the name at the first episode of the Adventure Zone, so that's why I brought it back up. But you won't see their backstory at all throughout this whole thing. Like, no one's going to, in Curse of Strahd, it's going to be like a relative or anything. Yeah. I mean, the people that I got their backstories just this session after uh, months of playing with them, I only did that now because I know that they're in it and they're in depth and they want part of their character to be, you know influence through this world and i and i changing up these pc characters and everything and i'm i i'm finally going to start name dropping things soon once they get back to the town and that'll it, it, it's it has to make sense though in some way or fashion especially in curse of strahd which is like its own little plane but yeah i understand that the dm's position throughout this whole thing is to have tell a story with your friends okay that's the basis of everything make it as good as it needs to be if they want combat and they just want to level give it to them but if they want some rp and some story driven ideas and like them as a per as, as a player character growing give them to that too it just depends on who you're playing with like i have a whole questionnaire before when i did this curse of strahd game like what they needed what they want and what do you expect from me and do you have any questions all that stuff like i i have a first like explain to me who you are questionnaire and then once they send me that i send them an extra questionnaire about like what to expect or have any questions kind of thing like i i tried my best to vent any flakes as best as i can by giving them things to do <laughs> <laughs>
just weed out the weak. Yeah, essentially. Like, I had, uh, like, first first handful of sessions, one person dropped out. Second handful of sessions, we lost uh, uh, Victor, one of our main guys. Then I just rolled in some more players. Three out of, or two out of three? I think three out of four characters that I petitioned to the, for the position uh, dropped. So, and I, I, I didn't overshot that as well. So when I finally got it down to that baseline, I was good again. So it's hard to want to do storyline backstories because if you start intertwining that and somebody leaves, it sucks because you put in the work and effort and it's just gone. It's like a breakup. <laughs> yeah. No, you ain't. I mean, it's not as bad, but no, it feels bad. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. You can be upset. That's. I think that's part of the the magic that is D&D, that you do get involved in these stories and you do connect with the players. And when somebody leaves, it's I'm sure it's hard to not take it personal. Yeah. I mean, my players are my parts of my family who are not going anywhere. So um, <laughs> You got them. As you far got as them trapped. I'm aware, yeah, they're stuck. So, you know, I can start and i i have parts of their stories so they did have like a session zero where they explained their characters and i had some ideas i just think you're right that we need to build the group dynamic figure out that part and then it can be more emotional later maybe i mean i mean if you look at most like dramas you just like oh, this guy's the bad boy, and this guy's the du- the guy who does good, and this guy's the thief, and all that stuff. Like, you get these baseline kind of characteristics, like, established before you get deeper into their backstory. And it's, like, every character isn't going to get their backstory revealed. You'll have that single arc of one person specifically. Um, and then you can go on to the next one. Um, and throwing monsters in there is just flavor. Okay. <laughs> Personally, I... Like, I'm trying to find something to do at level 10 because my one of my players is like, what do we do after we're done? Like, I've we've hung out for months, and I, part of me just doesn't want this to end. And I'm like, to be honest, same. Same, bro. Bro, I got feelings, bro. <laughs> I did see something interesting in my journey into the DM guide that... Um, one of their suggestions, like once you get done with your characters, you could keep the changes that you have done to the, you know, Forgotten Realm and then have the next set of players be like ancestors of your heroic characters, or it could be some time has passed and your changes, you can still honor your former characters, but you now have these new characters who have to deal with whatever they did in the past. So that was a neat idea to carry on the story but not have to stay in those same shoes yeah i don't think i've gotten a character past level 12 i want to say personally um Let's see that's what you do after level 10 so you go to 11 and oh you go to 12. <laughs> it's, it's so I simple you appreciated now. that i somebody will uh, me re-listening to this part as I like I can physically feel myself head, face palming again while I listen to it I hope so as you edit it and then as you listen to it again <laughs> just to make sure everything sounds right yep I think I've already explained this so I didn't have to go into the story I had but essentially like having something that's too difficult and your players not knowing that to be in the realm of what's going on in the world I think that's important to have that understanding that character death might happen soon. If you give them that prompt, um, I think I personally, I think it's better, but also gives them they're more on edge instead of being carefree and dumb, which some, I mean, I think it's fine to balance that serious between carefree, but I think you should also as a DM, just to give them a heads up before like this person straight up dead. Like, uh, I don't know if I could do that. I mean, I have yeah. to. I will have to. It's going to come up soon, but... Well, you already warned your characters that they needed to make other character sheets. That yeah. they needed to have a backup. 
They do. Oh. This this as soon as the main big bad evil guy comes in, Strahd, someone's already died, but that was because he left, and I, he was he's been played so many times, so I had to make his death thematic. I think now if Strahd gets involved, it's gonna be the stakes will grow ever higher. The stakes. Eh. <laughs> Oh, God. Um, got it. Yeah, you, you got it. You got me. And got... Whatever. Uh, <laughs> gosh. Nailed it. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> uh, gosh. Okay. That's all I have for CR stuff. I figured out. I mean, you just throw them some bad guys. If they can handle it, they can. Throw them some harder bad guys and keep going from there. They're going to get smarter, and they're going to figure out that, how to play. So there's no problem with giving them a very difficult thing. I think there's usually, like, in a lot of modules, there's, like, a cop-out. I, I wouldn't say cop-out. A safety net. How about that? That's fair. So in one of the uh, Pathfinder modules, Kingmaker, the last bad guy has a potential, like, turncoat in his ranks. Because he's just been like a fallen paladin that's been like kind of considering his life's and life's deeds, and he, if the players kind of like looking like they're gonna win or they're in trouble and they just need one last push, that that guy can turn on his team potentially. In Curse of Strahd, personally, I think the uh, I forget what it's called. It's like the Cult of the Feathers or something like that. Anyways, there's the were ravens that are against Strahd, and there's there's ravens all over the place. Like I I hint at it every now and then that there's a raven and he seems to be following you. And as soon as you like look at him, he kind of pows off and goes away. But roll again. Oh, you see him again. Yeah, he's kind of keeping far away and still following. So like there's always someone watching him. If either being the main bad guy or an ally. So yeah, give them okay. a failsafe. Okay, a were raven though. Is that a raven that turns into a wolf, or is it a it's then a... that turns into a human, or a human that turns into a raven? Human that turns into a raven. There's like okay. There's like three forms. There's human. There's raven, and then there's were raven. So like they have all three of those components. Uh, it's pretty cool. And to contract lycanthropy is a twelve con save. We uh, I I had my druid in the work group that I have um, accidentally gets turned into a accidentally developed that um, not realizing that we were far too far too small of a level to take on a werewolf and then magically I found a cure it's curable it just takes some time <laughs> yeah this this was just like a DM my bad you found it you're cured heard <laughs> Do you want to talk about accountability goals and all that stuff? Oof. You're, 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 we can't. You dread? <laughs> uh. Well, that means then you have to talk about, like, like actually setting goals and what it looks like. And I know that this week I've been not motivated at all, despite the fact that I, in the freshman seminar class that I'm teaching this semester, I have been open already and honest about my goals for this, this semester. And I said I was going to run on Tuesday and Thursday, and it's now Wednesday, and I did not run. So I'm already setting myself up for failure. But you're fine. Um, don't, don't think that way. It's right. hard to. Right. So that's where the uh, slight stress comes from. But I think, I think setting up goals and and having that level of accountability is important for you to have and I think you know finding people who are supportive of that is one more I guess level to help you in the long run I know I understand that. it's easier to do things as a group than some in my opinion to do it by myself like it was easier for me to go to the gym when it was like my friend Adriana just like hey do you want to go now hey do you want to go now like consistently so, yeah. I, and also I enjoyed her company. She She's a hoot and holler. And now, I, I one, I can't go out much. And two, um, 
I don't want to go out much, but <laughs> I here's my goals that I'm going to state right now. And anyone that's listening, if you all want to be like kind of part of like a community kind of accountability every week, I'm I'm down with that. I'll get a Google Docs going. We'll figure this out together, kind of thing. But my Call goal, Twitter. Yeah, my Twitter, my eight people on Twitter, which is two of them are us, so six people on Twitter. Heck yeah. Yeah, it's gone up by um, one since our last video, which is, you know, something. Yeah. And I also didn't kind of, I've only previewed it through Twitter, which I barely use. I should probably use Facebook or Instagram sooner or later. Anyways, my goal is to finish reading the Curse of Strahd um, man, book, whole thing. I've skimmed most of it. I've skimmed enough to get them to level five, um, or, or read enough to get them to level five. I just need a, there's some story background stuff that I want to put into play, AKA the wolves, um, into a deeper context. So I have to finish that. I'll probably read the chapter about the wolves before my game in three hours, two hours. And then what else do I need to do? I'm going to be gone. I'll be in Lubbock this weekend. So I think what I'm planning to do with that time is drawing up a map, like if they do this, what's going on. And also to write up backstory from the time they got there to um, the time that it's currently is, if I have enough time. I'm going to give myself five entries. I've, I need to do five more than what I have right now, which is one and a half. Um, so those are my two goals. Read the book and flesh out background, and then find one commission artist to draw a kobold. I'll give them, three, three is fine for starting out. When will you have these completed by? Because the deadline is also another important part of goal setting. Tuesday. Tuesday. When we, when we next record. When we next record. Um, so, and for the community though, community, it'll be the sun next Sunday um, because that's when we'll um, it'll be released and then you'll have time to do your goal till next Sunday when the next video comes out and then I'll because I'll yes, be updating yes yes <laughs> and I'll update this um, I'll have to get this going after before Sunday <laughs> um, we'll do I don't know what we'll do yet I, I'm thinking of like leveling up and all that stuff I don't know I'll, I'll figure it out or but, celebrate everybody's win for the week. Yeah, we'll do some shout-outs. Yeah. The, the... So if you have a goal that you have accomplished this week, send us via Twitter. That's really the only way right now. Send us via Twitter your accomplishment. We'll give you a shout-out. We'll applaud. We'll cheer. It'll make us feel better. Like, we accomplished something. We will all ride that wave of victory together. Yeah, sounds good. Um, and yeah. we'll, we'll update you on our owns and, you know, potentially our fails. Um, but also just to talk about how to get over that, too, because I think that's also an important part. I mean, us failing kind of tends to happen as humans. So I think that how to get past it and not be too discouraged is, well, for us, it's, very, it, it's hard, too. We're not invincible. And we have failed before, and, you know, it gets us down, too. But let's try to, like, work together and, like, kind of build each other up. Does that sound so good? while you were talking, yes. Oh, but sorry. while you were talking, I was thinking about mine and what I want to do. I really want to finish this three times a week running nonsense. So I'll run tomorrow. I will... I think I'm paddle boarding on Friday, which sounds like such a bougie thing to do. I think it's that's awesome. I had to paddle board a person in a donut that was like 300 pounds, like almost a quarter mile. <laughs> it sucked. Let me see. I have it. I have it written down what I'm doing. No what worries. I got. I got, I can edit this all. So I will be paddle boarding on Friday, and then I will. I have a. Zumba on Saturday, and then maybe I'll go for a run. So I'll run tomorrow, and then Saturday and Sunday. All right. Um, and on Sunday, you'll be listening to our podcast. <laughs> Absolutely, while I run. 
and I'm going to, by Sunday, have my alarm pushed back to 6.30. Because right now I wake up at 7.15. Is that bad? And since, no, but since we live in Texas, I would like to do the runs in the morning because at this point, I'm, if I run at night, I don't really want to go out until 8 o'clock. And once it, I'm using air quotes here, cools down. Yeah. Um, I would rather do that in the morning when I know it's not as hot. So 6, 6.30. Is that what I said? Let me write down my goals again. <laughs> before I forget. Anyways. Um, yeah. Cobalt Commission. Read COS. And then write backstory. Um, and next week I'll have like personal goals for studying and stuff. But well, not... these are still personal goals. Yeah, but they're not. They're not towards stuff that I need to do. These are want to do. Well, I just don't need to do this, anyways. Whatever. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm good. Do you have anything else? I think I think that covers everything that was on our list for today. Yeah, I'll get a a cooler list next time. Uh, I think it was a good list. I, I felt a little rambly near the end. That's, well, you know. You can always take those parts out and then throw them into the outtakes at the very end. Boo. Maybe that's her thing. All right. Um, so, yeah. If you are following us on Spotify or um, Pocket Cast or Anchor, go send us a, uh, a follow on our Twitter. It's the only kind of media we have currently yet. Enter... D and Degrees Pod, and I'll spell that out. D N D E G R E E S Pod. Um, but yeah, go follow us. Um, and uh, if you want to be part of this community kind of accountability thing, which is you know, so we can be socially responsible for each other as well as you know, it's proven to be helpful to have some sort of accountability to meet your goals. So yeah, go ahead and um, send us a tweet. And hopefully we'll have some more social by our next episode. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, my name's Adrian. My name is Alex. Go have some fun. <laughs>